I am getting nods in the back. That's great. Fantastic. Shall we just pray together uh, before we look at this passage together? Father God, thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that you meet with us as we uh, spend time with you. Help us as we look at your word together now to learn more from you, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic. So yes, if you're a young person, there's activities with Tim and Steph down here uh, to come and get involved with. So this morning, as we've said, we begin that season of Advent, a time where we wait with expectation and hope. And into this beginning of this period, we have this passage from Mark chapter 13, which I was rather gratefully told on Monday morning when I started to look at it, one commentator commented upon it and said, this is one of the theologically most complex passages in the Bible. <laughs> Yippee, I thought to myself. <laughs> but our theme for this morning has been about signs. We've had the signs that Christmas is on the way. We've had the signs acted out behind us. We've had the video all about signs. And we're going to have a look at this passage from Mark 13. If you've got it open in front of you, it'll be a, probably a great help. It's on page 1019, because it's got a number of signs described. We saw the sun, and, uh, the, the sun being darkened, the moon not giving light, stars falling from the sky. So as we come to think about signs this morning, and I've got to see the signs and some signs up behind, I've asked three questions about this passage. If I turn this on, it will work. The three questions are, what are the signs? What did they mean to Jesus' followers of his time? And what do they mean to us now in 2017? What are the signs? What did they mean to Jesus' followers? And what do they mean to us now in 2017? So first of all, what are these signs? Well, Jesus describes these signs in Mark 13 using a lot of imagery. And I've already mentioned some of them in that opening little bit. But I want to focus upon three right now and where also they can be seen in the Bible. I'll think about why Jesus was using them in a little moment, but let's just take some of the signs separately, look at some of the biblical background behind them. So firstly, in verse 24, the sun, the moon, and the stars. If we look at the book of Isaiah, chapter 13 and verse 10, the prophet Isaiah describes how the stars of heaven and the constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. See, the prophet Isaiah, when talking about this in the Old Testament, was talking about the end of Babylon. The prophet was looking to the fall of a great empire, the change of a political system. For them, it was to be the end of their world as they knew it. And I think Jesus is picking up this theme from the Old Testament and suggesting that another system is about to come to an end. We'll think of more of that in a moment. And secondly, we get the figure of the Son of Man, another great Old Testament image. That could be seen in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, where we see a figure who returns from, hev from heaven to earth. And this figure returns to heaven after a period of great suffering. And with his return to heaven, it marks the end of that suffering and the setting up of a new kingdom. So in Mark chapter 13, verse 26, we see that after the signs of the sun, the moon, and the stars, we see this. At, the at that time, 
the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. See, Jesus wants to point that after this first sign and after the events, the Son of Man will be the one to gather all the people back together. So we've had the sun, the moon, the stars, the Son of Man. And finally, there's this image of a fig tree. Now, in Mark chapter 11, Jesus tells the disciples another parable about a fig tree. Jesus curses the fig tree in Mark 11. But what's important is that in Mark 11, the fig tree didn't have any fruit or leaves on it because it wasn't that season for the figs. And in Mark chapter 13, (coughs) Jesus describes the fig tree to say that as soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, well, he's using that fig tree there to see that as soon as you see the leaves, you know that summer is coming. The fruit is going to come. There will be hope. So amongst this imagery of stars, moons, and heavenly bodies being shaken, all these other frightful images going on, there will be something good on the way. See, the fig tree is a sign of hope. So let's think a little bit about the background behind the signs. But what did they mean to Jesus to his followers? So the point, this is the point where some of it starts to get a bit complex. See, there have been some people who take this passage and think that the whole passage is all about the end of the world. And we often hear in the news about people who think they know what the end of the world is going to look like, and they try to predict a date. But I think that's not what Jesus is describing here in Mark chapter 13. To understand what's going on, we have to look back to what happens in Mark chapter 13, verse 1. Just look across, back across the page at page 1018. See, Jesus is leaving the temple, and his disciples say to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. That's in verse 1. And then Jesus replies, Well, do you see all of these great buildings? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. See, Jesus is talking about a time when the temple in Jerusalem will be destroyed. And then the disciples move in verse 3 to the Mount of Olives. And they're sitting there looking down at the temple below. And they ask Jesus to tell them, tell us when that is going to happen. What will be the sign that this is going to be fulfilled? So I think the beginning of that passage of Mark 13, at the beginning of our reading, therefore is Jesus explaining about when the temple is going to be destroyed. Not looking to some end time when the world will end. See, for the Jewish people, the temple was such an important part of our lives. We picked up on some of that when we looked through Matthew uh, a few weeks ago. It was where most of their main business was done. When Tim and I were talking about it earlier on this week, we said for us us today, it would be like someone destroying Buckingham Palace, taking out the Bank of England and the Houses of Parliament. Yeah, they're only buildings, but some of those buildings are the key fibres of our society. And without those key fibres, we'd be slightly lost. So Jesus therefore uses the passage about the sun and the stars from Isaiah 13, which talks then about the fall of Babylon and the end of their world, to talk about the destruction of the temple. And for the Jews, it would be the end of their world. I want to suggest it's not about the end of the world, but the end of their world. See, for the Jews, the temple was destroyed in around 70 AD. So their temple was destroyed. 
And what was the next sign? Well, the Son of Man. The Son of Man who suffered, who goes to heaven and brings people back together. And when the temple was destroyed, the Jewish people, they're going to feel lost. How can they be brought back together again? Well, we see Jesus, following on from this passage, is about to suffer. He suffers when he goes to die on the cross. And then he returns to heaven. And in his death and rising again, Jesus' mission will go on. And it will spread to all corners of the earth. In order that all Jews and Gentiles can come together to know him. It's, by Jesus, it's, by, it's Jesus, by his death and by his resurrection, who will give people someone to put their trust and faith in, to give them hope, long after that temple has been destroyed, long after their world seems to have come to an end, Jesus can bring it back together again. And then there's the fig tree. And I think the start of the leaves are a sign that something new is going to happen with the fig tree. Jesus is saying there'll be signs of this new way of life, this new living under Jesus, before the temple is even destroyed. There'll be signs of this event happening before the main events. So for most of Mark chapter 13, even before our reading starts, Jesus is talking about the destruction of the temple, a key moment of Jewish life. What was going to happen? Well, we knew it took place in 70 AD, but for Jesus' time, Jesus' disciples, he says this didn't he, in verse uh, 32. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. It was something God knew that was going to happen, but no date was given. The only other thing, the information Jesus gives about it was that this generation will not pass away until these things have happened. So we've looked at the signs. We've looked at what it meant to Jesus' followers in those days. But what does it mean to us, gathered here this morning at the beginning of Advent in 2017? Well, these major signs, like I've said, about the temple which was destroyed in AD 70. But we're here in Advent where we look for the return of Jesus, we look for the hope of what's coming. And I think the final part of Matthew 13, no, Mark 13, verses 33 to 37, picks up a little bit of that hope. It has a parable about a man who goes away and puts his servants in charge. See, we live as Christians, don't we, with a hope that Jesus one day will return. And at Advent, this is one of the themes that we recall. And that parable at the end of Mark 13 describes the master going away and simply telling his servants to keep watch. But when, in that last bit, when the master returns, there are going to be no major signs as far as Mark says. You don't know when that time will come. There are hints that he may come suddenly or at different times. But Jesus doesn't suggest any great signs. And if we live in that hope that Jesus will return, how are we supposed to live as Christians? Well, I think we're called to carry on living the lives that Jesus talks about in the Gospels. And as we do this, we then become the living signs of Jesus in the world. So as we live out those things, we become those living signs. And how do we do that? Well, I think there's three things that Jesus draws attention to here. And that's all can be seen in verse uh, 33. Firstly, he says, be on guard. Keep looking out. Keep watching. Join in with the things that God 
is doing. I know we, as we gather each week, we can talk about, don't we, some of those signs of God being at work all around us. One way of describing mission uh, in the church has been for a little while has been to look at what God is doing and then join in. Look out for the signs of Jesus is or God at work around us. And look how many times in that little passage, that final little bit, Jesus says the word watch in that passage. We need to keep looking for the signs of God at work. Telling each other, because when we start telling each other, that builds the encouragement up in our faith. So be on guard. Secondly, he says, be alert. As we come to Advent and the lead up to Christmas, how often can the time and the pace of life simply just get busier? One of the things that Jesus keeps describing is being alert. And he says this, don't let him find you sleeping. Don't let him find you sleeping. I don't know about you, but the more busier we get, the more tired we get. We don't feel as alert as possibly we could be. And this is saying to us this morning that as we come to Advent, we shouldn't charge around in the run-up to Christmas. We should pace ourselves. Find time to stop and reflect on what God is doing in our lives and those around us. So be on guard. Be alert. And then the last thing, for the last thing you have to jump down. See, next in verse 33, next to be alert, it has a tiny little letter E. And if you go right down to letter E, it says, some manuscripts add alert and pray. Be alert and pray. What are we called to do while we're waiting? We're called to pray. As disciples, we're called to pray for each other, for the church and for the world. There's a number of ways that you can do that. We've already heard in the notices this morning, some of them. A new prayer guide came out, prayer diary came out for November, December. Copies of those at the back, things that we can be praying for. There's the prayer ideas that are in the notice sheets week by week. We've had Cafe Monday and 24-7 prayer. There's the prayer breakfast that's really happening. All those opportunities to be praying for things going on around us. But let's be people who keep praying. So, in conclusion, Jesus, the one whose birth we celebrate in a few weeks' time, will return. That's the theme of Advent. When? We don't know. But as this passage in Mark suggests, not with huge warning signs. So we need to be those living signs of Jesus, waiting for him to return. Living out the life he calls us to live. And while we do that, we need to be on guard, to watch, to be alert, and to pace ourselves. And finally, to pray. Amen.